That is the sound of Carnival in Freetown, Sierra Leone. We will take you there in a moment to look for boo-boo music, a local style that has been played by groups of young men blowing into single-note bamboo pipes of varying lengths for over 60 years in the forest of northern Sierra Leone. In the early 90s, Bubu was first recorded and electrified using digital instruments by studio engineers in Freetown, the capital city of Sierra Leone. It's a familiar Afropop story. Bubu starts in village carnivals, then moves to urban dance floors. But stay with me. The Bubu story is different. It was first recorded on keyboards, but the original and much older acoustic Bubu has never been recorded. Until now. I'm your host, San Gauja, sitting in for Georges Collinet, who is away on assignment. Today, we're going to Sierra Leone, West Africa, a country where my own family still lives, and a place in which many African-Americans can trace their roots. This is a hip, deep edition of Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. We're listening to the sounds of electric boo-boo music. These quick polyrhythms and Casio tones open a wide lens onto the history of West African pop and, in particular, onto the biography of one musician, Ahmed Janka Nabi, known as the Boo King. There's something almost allegorical about Janka's story, about sort of like the modern condition and both the ecstasies of it and also the sorrows of it. It's a prism through which you can understand so much about the world. Because the Boo music is music that you can't resist. It's traditional. It's fast, it's hot, and it's cause it has everything to do with the culture of this country. Ahmed Jankanabe composed his first Bubu song as a teenager for a music contest in early 90s Freetown. He called it Dance to the Bubu, and it became an instant hit at a time when Sierra Leone was descending into the midst of a decade-long civil war. Janka still sings Dance to the Boo Boo today. Because my first sound, my first sound go like this. Only salo you can find the Boo Boo music. So many music in Africa. African roots music. Boo Boo music is number one. It's an ancient style of music. But when you try it, you never leave it. I see everybody. Everybody dance. Janka now lives and makes music in New York. But the electric boo-boo that he recorded in 90s Sierra Leone still provokes many questions. What did boo-boo sound like before Janka recorded it? What does boo-boo sound like today? Does boo-boo even exist? We'll head to Sierra Leone to find out on this hip, deep exclusive. Proving the boo-boo myth. Jankanabe, war and witchcraft in Sierra Leone. Thank you. 
That is the music of Janka's bandmate and protege, Pafola. After Janka fled Sierra Leone as a refugee in the early 2000s, Pafola took up the Bubu mantle. If you want to know the story of Bubu, he sings. Focus on the story of Janka Nabe. As Janka gained popularity in Sierra Leone, every artist would include one Bubu song on their album. Here is a medley of different Bubu interpretations. Ilala, ilala, o amado, rasulai. 
Electric Bubu music from Sierra Leone. My name is Sangalja, and you're listening to Afro Pop Worldwide. Major support for Afro Pop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the National Endowment for the Arts. So, to understand Janka's life as a refugee and Bubu musician, consider the following story. You are in a fast food restaurant, and there's a friendly African man working behind the counter. He tells you that he is famous that he pioneered a style of music called Bubu, that he is known as the Bubu King, that he released six hit records and sang for packed stadiums in Sierra Leone. What would you think? Would you believe him? There was something real. It was very real. Just didn't know which real it was. It was real. That's Yel Evelev. For the last 25 years, he's run Loaka Bop, a record label started by David Byrne in New York City. In 2012, Loaka Bop signed Janka to a two-album deal after hearing his music from a producer of this radio program, Wills Glassbeagle. Wills was managing Janka at the time. The king of boo-boo. I mean, the king of boo-boo. The king of something nobody knew anything about, didn't really even know existed. Despite the ambiguity, or maybe because of it, record labels started to get interested. Janka quit his job at Crown Fried Chicken and moved to New York, where he performed at clubs like Pianos, The Knitting Factory, and Zebulon. Janka had a rhythm and style that no one had heard before in New York. I remember the story of John Perellis of the New York Times looking frantically at his iPhone trying to find a Wikipedia article about Boo Boo when he was seeing Janka Nabe for the first time. Perellis was impressed. But there was no information about Bubu music anywhere on the web. 
The word boo-boo, I mean, how perfect is that? Are you gonna call something, you know, a style of music? Then you might as well pick a word that just doesn't sound like it's real. And he has a grass skirt. Who would wear a grass skirt in the, you know, 2012 or something? The whole thing, you put it all together, and I started thinking, hmm, maybe Will's Glass Beagle invented this whole thing as some sort of kind of postmodern prank. <laughs> Frank isn't the right word, no, a statement really, a statement on what it is that we're interested in in the modern world. Real or not, Janka's boo-boo was relevant to artists in Brooklyn. He soon formed a band in Williamsburg that he called the Boo-Boo Gang. Musicologist Michael Galopi was on keyboard. There's something very Western about it, but we wanted it to be a band. We wanted it to feel both ordinary and extraordinary. We wanted it to be a, a regular Brooklyn band that was really special because at the center of it was someone who had a, a completely different universe, musically and creatively, than anything we understood. Doug Shaw played guitar. It was a boo-boo band, you know? That's what it was. It wasn't a f***ing chill wave band. You know, it wasn't a noise band. You know, like, all these things happen in Brooklyn. It wasn't like a... R&B act, you know, with a laptop. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't any of these things, you know. It wasn't a punk band. Actually, it was a punk band. It was a punk band. Yeah, 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 yeah you know. That's what it was for me, like, the whole time. I mean, you know, what, what the spirit of, of being punk is. Boshra Al-Sadi sang backup vocals. I grew up listening to Arabic music because I'm from Syria and Ferdouz was always playing in the house and Abdul Halim was always playing in the house. And Danka comes from a Muslim background, so there's a little bit of a crossover there. We had an instant affinity to each other. He's, you know, we got like we got each other. We just like to sing and, and like I think he very much enjoys being a teacher. Janka's like, he would be a great professor. One of the ways that he would teach us is by singing. He would sing a melody, a, a rhythmic melody or a groove, and we'd be practicing. So let's say the drum beat's already happening, and then he would come in and he would say, Michael, here's an idea, right? And he would sing it into my ear. At times when we record, I would say, I want that pep, that pep, that pep, that is signature. The band was new to Bubu, but they took cues from Janka and other more readily available styles of West African pop. It was the generation that, to some extent, we helped create. The generation of people who can be open-minded enough to listen to anything, no matter where it's from, no matter what the history of the music is or the style of the music is, and just deal with it on an emotional level. Janka composed new material with his band, and revved up old standards like the classic boo-boo love song, Somebody. Somebody, oh. Somebody, oh. Somebody, oh. Somebody, oh. 
morphed into this. It was a new style of bubu, customized for clubs, festivals, and underground parties. But you know, it's not the kind of thing where you show up, roll up in Cleveland, and there's you know three or four other bubu bands that you can play with that are gonna like you know have a ready-made market. It was totally people didn't know what to do with it. The context behind Janka's bubu was perplexing. In interviews, he claimed his music was stolen and used by rebels in the brutal Sierra Leone civil war. Janka also claimed that Bubu was derived from the sounds of ancient African witchcraft. By the way, we know witchcraft is a loaded term often used to demonize traditional African practices. But it is also a word Janka and other Sierra Leoneans used to talk about the secret history behind Bubu music. It was funny when he started doing more and more interviews because you had this mounting phenomenon on the internet where 15, 20, 25, Periodicals start to feature the same narrative with Janka as the only source. The Bubu Music Wikipedia page, you know, people would look it up and it would say, it would have that broom on it that mentioned, you know, this does not adequately represent primary sources because all the citations on Wikipedia were going back to articles that all had Janka as the same source. And so the internet was making explicit the fact that we didn't have this kind of absent cause, right? What was this music? What was this ritual? sound of the bamboo pipes, Janka told people. Boo, boo, is also a sound that Janka said was partly inspired by underground witches. And how this music come out, you know, uh, Africans, they were there, some Africans, they do this witchcraft, wizard thing, you know. So when they go to this witchcraft thing, on the ground, this is like the bell, like the bell ringing. Like when you want to go to school, boys, girls come to school, bing, 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 something like. The witches in West Africa, they play boo-boo music. So that's their bell. So it's a secret that nobody is not a member should know this bell. One of the witches, however, broke ranks with the other witches. He began to teach kids who were not witches how to play boo-boo. The boo-boo spread. And the man paid the price. The price is dead. He died for that. So, what do we make of Janka's story? Is it a folktale, a metaphor, a myth, a marketing ploy? In late April 2014, with the support of the National Endowment for the Humanities, we sent our producer, Wills Glassbeagle, and co-producer, Drew Alt, to Sierra Leone to find out what they could not find out anywhere else. 
the story and the history behind Bubu music and Jankanabi. We arrived in Freetown on the day before Sierra Leone's Independence Day. It was carnival, and we had hopes of hearing Bubu gangs blow their pipes in the streets. Freetown is a city of about a million people, and everyone around us was buzzing with carnival anticipation. We headed to a party outside the National Stadium, where there were pop-up clothing shops, bars, art shows, and dance contests. DJs played sped-up dance music as we walked around outside the stadium iPhones and the internet aren't yet ubiquitous in Sierra Leone. It's a place where you bump into people. We soon met two new friends, Benjamin Williams and Ibrahim Karoma. They were old fans of Janka's music. They agreed to do an interview with us inside the empty stadium where it was relatively quiet. My name is Benjamin Williams. We are at the National Stadium. This is the 27th of April, the Independence Eve. We are trying to celebrate it in the, in the National Stadium. Janka Nabi the king. Africa man. Africa man. Yeah, I love, love Janka man. And the bubble music, yeah? yeah. You see, you see bubble music is a very nice music. Yeah. It's a music that everybody can love in Sierra Leone, thank you. I love the bubble music. Our culture. I love the, the bubble cultural music. music. The singing began in the bleachers of the national stadium. And it really didn't stop for another two weeks. Everybody dance to the bubu. I see everybody. Come everybody dance to the bubu. Everywhere we went, Janka's music followed us. Later, we spoke with Mustafa Bayatilla, a blind musician turned government minister. Everybody dance to the music. Everybody dance to the bubu. Music. Yeah, that's the song. Shoo, shoo, come on. Yeah, shoo, shoo. That was a hit in this country for about two years nonstop. It was number one. Uh, but I think Jankana Base is unique because of what it depicts. You know, the bubu music has been reported to have um, been able to expose witchcraft, those involved in witchcraft or sorcery. You know, the music is, is the kind of music that was, uh, you know, it was purported to have brought out evil people into the open and they could be seen clearly and exposed for what they were doing. So that's the kind, that's why his music is unique. It's a cultural music that sinks into the very fabric of our nation, especially the traditional aspect of it. Talking to people like Attila, it was easy to hear that Janka had made his mark in Sierra Leone. Bubu was a big deal. And at least in the 90s, Janka was its champion. Well, his music was um, um, the kind of music, the kind of brand that um, brought people together in times of perilous division in our country. When we had the internecine conflict here, his music was one of the, the inspiration for peace in the nation. You know, his music was the kind that everyone would dance to, regardless of what side you were on. While researching Janka's story, we cross paths with social anthropologist Connie Nuxel. Connie focuses on ethnomusicology in sub-Saharan Africa. Connie had been talking to former rebel soldiers in Sierra Leone about music, and Janka's name had come up, 
often. The former rebels told me that Jankanabe's bubu music was part of their soundtrack during the conflict and that they used his music in a number of ways. Connie confirmed what Janka had told me years ago in Brooklyn, that his music was used for war. The rebels didn't just enjoy listening to bubu music, they also used the songs when they were attacking towns and villages. One of the strategies, for example, was to blare bubu music from ghetto blasters during attacks. The idea was to lure civilians out of hiding for easy capture. The Sierra Leone civil war lasted a decade. 20,000 people amputated, 50,000 killed. There was chaos on all sides. Before the war, Janka had sympathized with the original pan-African aspirations of the rebel cause. But when the rebels turned to violence in the 90s, Janka's support waned. The rebels, however, continued to love and to use Janka's music for war. The rebels would also slightly change some of the lyrics of Jankanabe's songs. They would sing their own versions on top of the actual music playing while they were attacking. The rebel versions would give the songs a completely new meaning. With the new lyrics, the songs would all of a sudden celebrate the rebel cause or announce them as the winners of the war, even though the songs meant something completely different before. This is Sabano, one of Janka's most important recordings. In the mid-90s, Jankanabe had a very popular song called Sabano, which translates as this country belongs to us. It was basically a song which sides with the civilian population. It says that although the rebels are trying to cause mayhem and destruction, Sierra Leone belongs to its citizens. And what happened was that the rebels appropriated the Sabano song against the very people it was originally written for. So the rebels basically robbed civilians of their song and played it during attacks. In this new context, then, the rebels were now the ones claiming that the country belonged to them. They knew everybody loved the music in Sierra Leone. Like this park right now, they will play the music here. Yeah? So everybody out here will say, something is going on on that park, let me go see. They'll be making like they are just dancing and enjoying. So everybody will join them, join them, join them. When they see too much people, they started shooting. Nobody move this way. So they catch people. They just enter with the music. Janka was traumatized by the use of his music to commit violence, and his life was in constant danger. He managed to leave Sierra Leone first for Guinea and then the United States, where he lives today. Though Janka has not been back to Sierra Leone for a decade, his songs are still loved dearly by people across the country. Coming up, we'll hear some of the first recordings ever made of Bubu in the villages of Sierra Leone. And we will check out a lantern parade where Bubu gangs entertain revelers in the streets of McKinney. Visit afropop.org to learn more and to see images and videos from our research into Bubu music. You're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. Pop-o-ti-di-a-pla-pop-o-ti-di-pop-o-lo-go 
Sierra Leone is a melting pot of West Africa, home to many ancient tribes and also populated by the descendants of returned slaves from across West Africa, Caribbean traders, Lebanese immigrants, crew sailors and everything in between. On April 27th, almost everyone takes to the streets to celebrate Independence Day. We woke early on Carnival morning to the sounds of singing and drumming. Yeah, everybody excited. In Bongatown, where we stayed in the west of Freetown, the day started with a magic show. Janka's music blared throughout. It's coming to chew all these bottles like chewing gum. There was fire swallowing and glass chewing. The magician cut his tongue with a razor to showcase his strength. We're hearing an old Jankanabe song called The Devil. He's singing about devils, a masquerade tradition in Sierra Leone. To learn more about these masquerades, we met up with John Noonley, professor and curator of the arts of Africa, Oceania, and the Americas at the St. Louis Art Museum. John wrote the classic African art study, Moving with the Face of the Devil. Well, like, what's the Rolling Stones song? Sympathy for the Devil. Right. Yeah. That's kind of what it is. That's kind of what it is. The Devil, of course, is a Western concept. The Sierra Leonean devil, or devil, as they say in Creole, the local patois, is a masked figure adorned with traditional items like cowrie shells, animal skins, beads, and raffia. They're called devils because during the colonial period, these masks menaced Catholic missionaries. And in Freetown particularly, the missionaries were very hostile towards those masqueraders. And reading the accounts of the missionaries at uh, SOAS in, in London, was always interesting because around Christmas time, you could see their handwriting and their letters back to the home missions were very shaky. Because at that time of the year, the masqueraders would go around the churches and masquerade. And the missionaries couldn't stop them because their sanctuary was the street. It was motion. Every devil we saw in the streets was a representation of a neighborhood, a secret society, a political party, or just a common cause. The devil we followed the most, though, 
was eight feet tall and dedicated to the theme of education. The education devil was stunning. His costume was a mix of brightly colored plastic school supplies and more customary African decorations. His pants were made of hundreds of plastic rulers, and on his head was a kudu animal skin with horns. On his back, number two pencils jutted out like porcupine quills. The education devil, like most devils in Freetown, was accompanied by a band playing the beatbox drum, the shaker, and the agogo. We marched together with them through the streets of Freetown. As we paced through the city, traffic stopped, but only once in the distance did we catch the hum of a boo-boo group blowing their horns. Afterward, Attila advised us to head north, to the hinterlands, where Boo-Boo is more prominent than in the city. As I don't know if you saw them. They, they, they also, they're also in town, but most of them are in the provinces. They have Bubu, what they call Bubu gang, uh, Bubu gangs, you know. They, they have these um, traditional instruments that um, people just blow, and they blow them in order, you know, instrumentally arranged, and it sounds so wonderful. Those are actually the real thing they do. They are not the one in the studio. Attila directed us to Mangebure, a village that's famous for its Bubu. You get more about Bubu music from the traditional people. The day-to-day -day people you meet in the marketplaces, the chiefs, the paramount chiefs, the town chiefs, the fishermen, the farmers. These people, they are involved in this bubble music. They really spread the bubble music. They are entangled and imbued with the bubble music. So we set off to find Bubu music on a road trip north to the Sierra Leonean hinterlands to villages like Port Loco and Mangebure, where acoustic bubu is said to originate. Mangebure was a quiet town surrounded by palm forests. Near the village mosque, we spoke briefly to a man who told us that all the local bubu groups had gone, that they were in another village called Loco Masama at a party. I am trying to show my support. I am controlling 78 towns and villages as I'm sitting there. That's Chief Okufa in Lokomasama. He offered to house us and invited us to record the festivities in his village. 
A new paramount chief was being coronated there, and all through the evening, musicians, chiefs, and revelers flocked to Lokomasama from surrounding villages. We heard Bondo society music like this. Songs of the OJ Brotherhood were like the Masons of Sierra Leone. And women's groups who sang in chorus. The Bubu groups began emerging in the evening, and they played throughout the night. Janka's legacy had led us in the right direction. We finally found what we were seeking. Bubu music played on bamboo pipes. We reveled in the hypnotic sounds as if the Bubu gangs were a mobile pipe organ, rooting and tooting together into the night. by, the chief related to us a story about Bubu, that it started because someone saw the bamboo pipes in a dream. So they started it through dream. They had it through dream, saw it through dream, so they practiced it, they succeeded. I'm 
Later in the night, we sat behind the chief's house at a makeshift palm wine bar. Everyone around seemed to have a story about Janka or about Boo Boo. Desmond Bangura remembered Janka fondly. Janka Nabi is our brother. In the cultural music in this our country, but during those times when we were in the war in this country, Janka Nabi was with us. But later the rebels decided to capture him. But he managed to escape. Since he went, we cannot get him again. We are trying to get him to get his music, but we cannot get him again. Often, people would send messages through us back to Janka. We will show this to Janka in, in, uh, in the USA. I think it will make him very proud. Yeah, let him be proud that his brothers and fans are still existing, waiting for him to come. And that will be a very big, 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 big welcoming when he comes to Sierra Leone. He will see like the president, Ahmed Jankanabi, cool. master of the Bubu culture in Sierra Leone. All over Lokomasama, revelers assembled in makeshift camps. Women cooked with firewood and families slept comfortably on the ground. And the Bubu groups played on and on. The music just got better as night turned to day. sounds of Loko Masama. After a night of Bubu, Wills and co-producer Drew Alt headed to Makeni, the fourth largest city in Sierra Leone, where Jankanabe grew up. Makeni, like most cities in Sierra Leone, is largely Muslim. Scholar David Skinner has been studying Islam in West Africa for over 40 years. He is a professor of history at Santa Clara University. It really is African Islam. For many, many centuries, you had this slow infiltration through migration and the creation of various kinds of networks, both economic and social networks, that uh, introduced Islam slowly into local cultures. And this is especially true in Sierra Leone. David shared with us a typical story that depicts the union of Islam and traditional African practice. We asked him about the small wooden boards covered with Arabic script that Wills noticed in McKinney. From the Quranic passage, these boards, uh, they're uh, widespread throughout West Africa. They're part of the traditional Islamic school system. What they used was they, they used these very smooth wooden boards and locally manufactured ink out of vegetables. David suggested that these boards represent the localization and the Africanization of Islam in West Africa. And when you wash this board off, you could have a bowl. And so the ink and water would blend into this bowl. And then you could drink that water as a potion. This ink became a spiritual vehicle from the Quranic passage for your well-being. So, the mosque is in, it's the oldest mosque in Makeni. That's Janka's older brother, Suleiman Nabe. He was our host in Makeni. Here is Janka Nabe's home. And today is a lantern festival, lantern masquerade. 
so you see how colorful is the night. Everybody is entertaining. So we keep moving. Suleiman walked us through McKenney and into a lantern parade. Boo-boo gangs were playing in the streets. Carnival time. It's carnival time. But mind you, this is the home of Jankanabe. Jankanabe was born and breeded here before you see him in America. He's part of this society. When you go, you tell Jankanabe about this, he will be very, very much happy. Of course. He'll be very much delighted. All these people you are seeing are brothers of Jankanabe. Um, more lanterns are not coming. The lanterns were displayed on the backs of tractor trailers. They were made from paper mache and lit up from the inside. They depicted a range of characters, animals, wizards, scenes from the Quran. The Lantern Parade was originally imported to Sierra Leone by a trader from Gambia in the 1950s. He took Gambia's Easter Parade and adapted it to Ramadan. It's a classic example of African hybridity, and Boo Boo was the soundtrack. The next day, Suleiman was eager to show us around the compound where Janka had grown up. This is Jankanabe's playground. It lives a common life here, together with myself and our elder brothers and sisters. The more we talked about Boo Boo and about Janka, it was obvious that Suleiman missed his brother. They haven't seen each other in a decade. These coconuts, can you see the coconut? Janka knows this coconut very well. While talking to Suleiman, I realized that we had something important to share with him. So I would like to give you the music that Janka has recorded. Okay. Because I think it contains a message of this of this place and of this story that, okay. that you will want to hear. Okay. So it's on this drive. We shared copies of Janka's new album. This was the Sierra Leonean debut in the backyard where Janka had grown up. No one in Sierra Leone had heard Janka's new music before. Everyone around was amazed. They loved the sound. So we spent an evening in the courtyard dancing, discussing Janka's songs and the role of culture in Sierra Leone. Because all these songs he's singing now, we are all childhood play songs. We used to play and sing these songs while we were kids. And it was time of tension.
After Janka's protege Pafola heard Janka's new boo-boo, Pafola called a record distributor in Freetown who expressed interest in releasing the new Brooklyn boo-boo in Africa. Janka was elated. He may be in New York, but his new sounds are coming home. So what about those questions we asked? Is Bubu real? It sure is. And Janka was right all along. 
Many Sierra Leoneans also confirmed that Bubu was inspired by witches. And it was used in the war, a tragic development that drove Chanka from his homeland. Bringing Janka's new music back to Sierra Leone was a part of his mission all along. In a poor country swept up in the need to modernize and westernize after civil war, too much history has been buried. For Janka, culture is the real issue. It's who we are, who we have been, and who we can be. Like the education devil parading in Freetown, culture is the vibrant clash of the past and the future. And we hear it as much in Janka's high-tech New York boo-boo as we do in those bamboo pipes playing on in the villages of northern Sierra Leone. Major support for Afropop worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art. And from PRI, public radio international affiliate stations across the U.S., and thank you for supporting your station. Additional support for Afropop worldwide comes from BAM, presenting None Such Records at BAM, a music festival featuring Yusu Endur, Tiomani Diabate, Rokia Traore, Caetano Voloso, and other non-such artists, September 9 through 28. Tickets at BAM.org. And from Womex, the showcase, seminar, and trade fair for world roots and ethnic music in Santiago de Compostela in Galicia, Spain. October 22nd through the 26th. More information at Womex.com. And from Eric Eyre, the only African airline providing non-stop service between the U.S. and West Africa, serving seven capital cities. More information at ericair.com. That's A-R-I-K-Air.com. Our producer, Wills Glassspiegel, left Sierra Leone with a treasure trove of recordings and stories about Bubu and about Janka. He made copies of everything for Janka, and together they listened back to the sounds of Bubu. Like right now, all these songs that I just listen, I know right now I, I, I'm on the melody, I'm on the beat, right now I just cut the words. Yeah. And right now the feeling is just coming. The next yeah, time we play it, I sing it more than the guys. Janka's friend, Fode Kamara Chiesemon, encouraging Janka to return home to Sierra Leone. Janka is coming back. Janka toys with the idea and insists that he will go back to local Masama to recruit just, his newest Bubu gang. I want to play with the original Bubu guys, but I like the guys uh, in local Masama. So right now our target is to go, for me to go Freetown and any kind of way, I get in contact with those guys and then collect those guys because when I go see when I'm not living in, in, in the city, I'm any place. I find a boo-boo gang. That's the town I will live. And it's coming back, man. We on the way coming. We on the way coming back home. Man, we'll bring you some new stuff for you guys. Yeah. Uh, Trust me, Janka is coming. 
This program was written and produced by Wills Glasspiegel and Drew Alt. Special thanks to everyone in Bongatown, to Jankanabe, the Boo Boo Gang in Brooklyn and Washington, D.C., Chief Boima and Dean Bain, Maurice Brown, Les Rickford, La Baby and Lamine in Virginia, Valerie Maxak, Fode Maurice, King Milan, Sheik Kamara, Koto in Yams Farm, Peter Conte, Firestone, the Sabano Dancers, Chief Okufa, Desmond Bangura, Africa Man, Pafola, T West, Michael Thomas, Mustafa Bay Atilia, the Cassette Sellers Association, Super Sound, and the honorary Alaji Ibrahim bin Kagbo for their help with this program. Visit Afropop.org for more boo-boo music. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Our chief audio engineer and co-producer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Brandon Baker and Stephanie LeBeau. Banning Air edits our website, afropop.org. Our producer for new media is Sam Backer. Our development director is Ivana Bon, and I'm San Gaucha. <laughs> P.R.I. Public Radio International.